You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Propane Fitness Podcast, I am here today with Dr. Mike Banner. So Mike is a GP in Sussex. He has basically halved his weight um, over the last few years with his own transformation, and that's stemmed his interest in preventative medicine, lifestyle medicine, and that kind of thing. He also works as a, a partner GP in West Sussex, so very glad to have him on board. If you haven't seen him already, then I highly recommend get on his Twitter and on his Instagram right now, because his musings are excellent. Hello, Mike. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Um, we were just talking about uh, the fact that you are big dick GP, you know, you've, you've gone through the, the final the final stage and I am small dick medical student just in uh, <laughs> fi- final bit of, of undergrad. Um, but because, yeah, so just to continue that, like b- because I finished um, my previous degree in work and so on and then came to do this later in life, I'm much older than a lot of my colleagues. And yeah. it's really upsetting to just be walking around hospital <laughs> and see people who are like, five six years my senior that were like two years below me in school yeah and i'm like hi (laughs) yeah but but you'll be you'll be better for it you'll have the depth of maturity and knowledge and wisdom um that's what i keep telling myself yeah yeah (laughs) that i've somehow got some kind of depth and wisdom from wasting all that time um (laughs) in uh in my first degree um so mike we had a few questions for you the first one, most important one, is would you rather only be able to use fish-flavoured toothpaste or deodorant runs out halfway through every time? Uh, fish-flavoured toothpaste. When I say halfway Not through, easy. that means per use. So you only get to make one armpit. Well, I actually had this happen to me the other day. I had two differently smelling armpits because I ran out of deodorant halfway through and my next can of deodorant was a different fragrance. Oh. And I thought I thought there should be some kind of mechanism within the can that prevents that from happening. But but sadly, there Warning isn't. Warning sound. Exactly. Yeah. Like, don't use this because it's not going to last the whole, the whole way. Um, but, you know, I, I quite like um, fish as a meal. Uh, so I, I suppose, you know, we can extrapolate that, but is it going to, I guess it's going to give you fishy breath as well. Yeah, it would. So I, I mean, no... this is actually the, the tweet was what stemmed the question. Um, right. So, I mean, there's no law against chewing gum afterwards though, right? No, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. So it's a no brainer for me. Really? It adds another layer to your morning routine, but yeah. just for the sake of avoiding different smelling armpits. You, you, you skip breakfast. You think you've had Kedgeri. It's uh, it's a, it's a winner. Kedgeri. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, would you rather have crippling underconfidence or delusional overconfidence? Um, having suffered with crippling underconfidence, I'd probably say it might be nice to give delusional overconfidence a bit of a try. Although um, maybe not professionally, maybe not in my job. I think that's that's probably more dangerous. Uh, but in life, yeah, I'll go for that. I see. That, that leg needs to come off. I'll do it. No worries. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I... Uh, I got a text from my mum yesterday saying the cat has a abscess on its neck. Um, would you please be able to anesthetize and operate on the cat? <laughs> Mike. So performing veterinary surgery at home, like there's, I don't know where to begin mum. Like, but it was 550 quid. So when she said the price, I was like, 
okay, give me 530 <laughs> and I'll give it a crack. Does she like the cat? She does like the cat. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to just... Uh, I was like, could I just look on YouTube? And No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, would you rather be the greatest chef in the world, but you can't taste anything, or have your own personal chef, but be allergic to spoons? Um, I have my own personal chef, but be allergic to spoons, because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a person that does not like washing up. So I've been in many, many situations where there have been no spoons and I've always managed to survive. Um, you can eat jelly with a fork. Um, there's all, there's always, there's always around it. You sound like a man that can achieve the impossible to be honest, Mike. Well, jelly with a fork. I've tried that and it is difficult. Like maybe you've got some technique that I'm not aware of. I have, I have. Is it just like you hold the thing up and you just scoop it into your mouth before the... You you kind of, you try and you slide the fork kind of sideways so you're not getting the prongs into the jelly. You're kind of, you, you're breaking the jelly with the side of the fork and then the jelly sits on top of the fork across the prongs so the pressure's distributed equally so it doesn't fall through. See, you're relying on the surface tension. Yeah, absolutely. Fall through. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that is smart. So, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about your, your background? I mean, we'll, we'll include a photo of your before and after. Okay. Um, and, like, when I saw that, I was like, bloody hell, that is... The, <laughs> what, what was it that um, that changed? That What was it that made you... Because I, I'd imagine that's not something that happens by accident or not something that is taken lightly. There's a couple of parking wardens just circling my car outside, but they've, they've gone away. The two excellent, of them as well. Excellent. It's always so ominous. Um so, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, basically, I, I, I've always been overweight uh, and kind of f- from probably my my young teens, maybe even a little bit before that. I've always thought I was more overweight than I was. And I think I kind of almost thought it more into existence and, and kind of grew as, as time went on. Always went on diets, always decided I was going to lose weight um, and always lasted a few weeks and then got bored and, and carried on eating. Um, through university, I was quite active just from the fact I lived half an hour away from, from where I went to uni. So I did a lot of walking, uh, never did any organized sports, never did any exercise at all if I could avoid it. Um, so it was kind of, it was kept at bay, but then when I started to work and then ended up being a GP, I just kind of piled on the pounds cause I was sitting at a desk all the time, um, living on, you know, uh, convenience type foods had no interest in exercise sort of dabbled in trying a few things because i live in a fairly outdoorsy sort of place and a lot of my friends like cycling and things so i tried a few of those things and just didn't really like them um and then i kind of got to the point where uh, a friend of mine had a heart attack uh, in his sort of mid-30s and he was a really well really fit guy um did a lot of rugby and a lot of exercise but had you know obviously had a heart attack and it kind of got me thinking a lot about how I was coming to an age where I couldn't really just rely on the fact that I was young and healthy anymore I was going to start having problems I'd already kind of started to worry about whether I had high blood pressure or um, other things beginning associated with with being overweight and I kind of just realized that I needed to make some really big changes it wasn't going to be a case of um, you know dropping a few pounds over six weeks it was going to be changing my life and I tried to try to 
I tried to use a different approach. So instead of saying, I want to lose this amount of weight, I kind of said, right, I want to be healthy. I want to make sure my blood pressure is good. I want to eat healthy food. I want to do more exercise. You know, the weight will come off probably if I do those things. But if I don't lose a single pound, at least I'll have gained um, from a from a health point of view. And so, um, again, we, we touched on, on Twitter a little bit earlier and about, you know, social media. And I, I massively used social media as a tool in terms of, of helping me. Um, I got into a random conversation with someone who was recommended to follow me by a plumber friend of his because um, he'd said I was funny. And this guy who followed me was um, was just starting up a fitness blog and really, really into fitness um, and just ended up getting chatting to him a little bit about nutrition and, and, and how to lose weight because I'd seen his My Fitness Pal diary posted and having assumed that he just lived on, you know, chicken breast and lettuce um, and, and sort of saw Subway on there and cottage pie and stuff, I was slightly intrigued that, you know, could there be a way to lose weight without completely overhauling everything? Um, and got chatting to him and he kind of helped me out with just the concept of calorie counting. And then, you know, I say the rest is history. The rest took six years, um, but it was a kind of slow, slow process, a bit, a few ups and downs. And, so you were uh, very much outside of the fitness industry. You were, you were on the, the track as, as a GP without much interest in lifestyle medicine and that <clears throat> and nutrition absolutely. and so on. Absolutely. And no suppose, interest at all. And so the triggering event you said was like, your friend having the heart attack and seeing that the trajectory of the way your health was going and saying, right, I'm going to not worry so much about the outputs. I'm going to just focus on the inputs and let the cards fall where they do. Yeah, um, exactly. And then that's what's triggered the kind of subsequent interest in, in, in lifestyle medicine. And, and I suppose like being a, being a bit of a beacon for that yourself in that you've walked the walk. And I think people that have made that kind of transformation really need to plug it as much as possible. I think, it's something that um, because there's a there's a whole um, multi-dimensional shift that, that happens with that. You know, I imagine that your approach to respecting your own body, to um, seeing to, to your approach to your own health, and also the fact that in the position that you're in, I feel like GPs have very much a particular privilege of being able to confront these issues with people being able to mention someone's weight or, or bring that up, which is normally something that's not kind of vocalized. Yeah, absolutely. Guess, um, you might have someone who's, who's pretty overweight, but their friends don't mention anything to them for fear of upsetting yeah. them or, yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a super interesting one because, um, the interest came for me about how, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I learned in the whole process was, was how little I had known about nutrition and about, um, and about, you know, what works for fat loss and all of those sorts of things. And I thought to myself, if I can be this supposedly highly educated expert who people will trust when they come to ask me about these things, and yet I can still be such an idiot about it then, you know, what hope is there? I kind of, I, f I felt like, we, you know, we really need to, um, we really need to up our game. And it's not about, you know, knowing everything. It's about kind of recognizing that, th that this is a complex world. And, and funnily enough, a lot of the things that worked for me were things that, that weren't true. You know, it was, it was, it was ideas based, you know, I believe the whole, you know, don't eat too few calories because of starvation mode, like you'll kick into starvation mode and then, that way you'll stop losing weight. Now, that's obviously untrue. It's been disproved by science many times. 
However, what that did do was that it meant that instead of just eating as little as possible, which was unsustainable and how I'd always dieted previously, I was counting calories. And instead of, you know, ending up eating, you know, 12 or 1500 calories, I was eating 900, uh, sorry, 1900 calories. Um, and that did wonders for adherence. So because I was eating more than I would have done on previous diets, I was able to sustain it for a lot longer. Now, again, based on a myth, but actually it worked quite well, like a lot of diets do, to be fair. That's interesting, yeah. So, like, the end justified the means, even though the, the initial claim was kind of a, a false one or a lie yeah. in some cases. And, like, it's one of the most common things that we get. So we have a, a nutritional macro calculator on our website. Yeah. If, you, if you're watching and you haven't got your macros, preppingfitness.com forward slash calculator. But the most common problem we get, most common question is, these calories are too high. And you're like... Yeah. What do you mean they, they're too high? Like they feel too high? Like, have you got six months of data? Have you been tracking your calories so far mm-hmm. and you know that they're too high based on your current maintenance? Or do, they, do you just look at it and think like, oh, that seems a bit high? And that's yeah. usually the, the answer that people Absolutely. think like, oh, it feels a bit much. And it's because they, they have this idea that they have to be borderline starving themselves. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is like Monday to Friday, they eat the 900 calories and they're like, oh, this is going great. Weekend, absolute blowout. Yeah. They quadruple or quintuple their calories, but it doesn't matter because it's the weekend. doesn't count. Back yeah. again, the diet on Monday. And by the end of the week, their average weekly calories are probably above maintenance. They yeah, gain exactly. weight. And they're like, I don't understand. Like, lo- mm. dieting doesn't work for me. Or I need to eat super low calories to yeah. make progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it's so easy. It's, it, it's not even that people are kind of intentionally getting this wrong. It's just that they... We convince ourselves of so many things, especially when we're dieting, because there's so many psychological factors at play, um, how you feel, how you feel you look, how you, you know, what the number says on the scales, etc. And, you know, it, it messes with people's heads a lot. And it's very, very difficult to just say, right, I'm just going to trust the process. And that's often because people have decided that they need to lose weight in two months or three months um, or even six weeks. Whereas really there is no deadline to this process. Just carry on, you know, and if you carry on and just trust the process and then, you know, if a few weeks later you haven't lost weight, then you can adjust it. And all you've lost is a few weeks. It's interesting about the deadlines. People are like, Oh, I need to get lean by next month. And you're like, well, exactly. Hang on. Like why the sudden urgency? Like you've been fat for 15 years yeah. and suddenly you have to get lean by, you know, and to undo all of that, like, yeah, maybe it's possible if you really went balls to the wall, but why put yourself through that kind of torture? And, um, you know, if there was anything else that had to be undone, I, I was going to say something like a university degree, but most people <laughs> do leave their dissertation until like a week before and then yeah. do a string of all nighters. But yeah, so th- this change in your, in your physique and also your attitude, um, in a way you've, experience both sides of this of being the practitioner and being someone who is not the living example of health and then being the living example of that and being the kind of um is that something you bring into your practice or do patients not tend to know about about this i mean it it depends It's, it's interesting sometimes when i have newer patients who haven't known me for a long time and uh we sort of get onto the subject and I kind of see their eyes glazing over and, and them sort of thinking, I don't really know what I'm talking about. And then I just show them my ID card and just say, <laughs> I've done this. Fortunately in the NHS, we're not allowed new ID cards just because we look different. So I've got my same ID for the last eight That's years. Useful, actually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, it's interesting because the, 
I think the problem is with most people is everyone is on a different journey and everyone comes stacked with so many different beliefs. And it's so hard in 10 minutes to try and um, to try and to try and address any of those things. Like it, it feels like you're just about chipping away at the tip of the iceberg. And it usually people don't come in to see me because they want to lose weight they come in to see me about something completely different and then they might happen to mention that they're also keen to to lose weight or to to, to get healthier and you've got 30 seconds um but you know because i'm naturally a person that just likes talking at people quite a lot i do end up probably just running late and speaking to them for ages about it but you know if if you can help people then i think it's worth it's worth doing that um but it is it's hard it's hard to do that from from the confines of gp and that's why i wonder if you know in the future we we are going to have more kind of dedicated lifestyle clinics um whereby a gp would refer somebody over across to a lifestyle clinic to kind of you know have a bit of a one stop shop with everything and we're kind of we're getting there i think in terms of the services available certainly in my in my region but that would be interesting so we're moving to, to more of an american model with things but <clears throat> Um, so I guess you've got this constraint of the 10 minutes as well, but also how much, or what's the split of people that are people who are motivated and trying to lose weight and you're doing more of a myth busting or kind of giving a specific approach or convincing someone who weight loss wasn't on their mind, but it would be an answer to a lot of their symptoms, um, and trying to get them on board with the process. Um, I think it's a tricky one. And it, part of the reason that it's a tricky one is, is follow up. So that might be happening and I might be convincing people, but they're not necessarily coming back to tell me that I've convinced them or they might, their next appointment might be with a different GP um, or they might be really successful at it and never need to come and see a GP again. Mm. Um, it's not it, it, because of the way that GP is set up. It's, it's quite difficult to monitor that. I mean, I know of a few patients who I've, you know, helped on that cycle um but it, it all comes back to the cycle of change as well and, and if people aren't ready to lose weight and that's that's kind of one of the things that that has eluded me the whole way through this whole process is trying to actually figure out and get to the crux of what it was that flipped that switch in me six years ago and made it actually work this time because if i could bottle that then you know i'd make a fortune but yeah. I, I, I still can't really get to the bottom of it if i'm totally on it because ultimately to have that third party like i'm i'm sure i'm sure you had people in the past telling you that you needed to lose weight M maybe you didn't but until it comes internally um and you had a strong enough why yourself then that justifies any how is the that's the quote isn't it so yeah um, no absolutely and i, I had my mum my mum always told me to lose weight and then when i did she told me that i was too skinny as mums do classic mum um it's either yeah. that or it's like no you're lovely anyway and you're like no i'm fat <laughs> i think i've always had um i've always known i was overweight now when i look back at pictures i had no idea of how of how bad things were um, and also when I see the amount of, of weight I've lost and still see myself as not fully what, you know, what some people might call lean, um, it really kind of puts into context how much fat there was there. Um, Just to quantify that as well, you said you didn't even weigh yourself at your top end, but you were well no. over 100 kilos. And, yeah. and then you got down to about 67. So yeah, exactly. pretty much halved your weight. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 sort of it, it's crazy to think. I remember I remember somebody telling me um, 
that if if I wanted to see my abs, I had about another 10 kilos to lose. And at that time I was like, but I'm done. I, you know, I, I'm slim now. This is, this is finished. And then I carried on, you know, almost yeah. just to, to see what would happen. And they were absolutely right. Still another 10 kilos off. And I still was, was just looked slim. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of great depressing things about getting lean, <laughs> isn't it? You're like, Oh, I'm, I, I always got the outline of abs. And you're like, no, no, there's another, yeah 10 plus exactly. kilos to lose exactly and it's it, it is fascinating because like that like i was saying before so much of it is the psychology of, of where we think we are um and and also where we think we can get to and the, the limitations that we place on ourselves like i never if you told me six years ago that i would end up being on a podcast talking about how much weight i've lost and these would be the numbers that we would be talking about and i'd be getting up at 5 a.m to go to the gym before work and things like that you know, I would never have believed it. I would have hoped that it might someday be true, but I, you know, it, it was never on my agenda. It was on my agenda to kind of, you know, lose a bit of weight. Um, and it's interesting because it all just happened in such stages. And luckily I never fully rebounded because each time I kind of plateaued for a little bit, then I kind of went back onto, to, onto the journey that I'd been on sort of realizing that if I don't stay on a bit of a fat loss journey, I'm going to put on a lot of weight because I'm not very good at intuitive eating or, um, you know, generally eating healthily unless there is a bit of a goal at the end of it. So a lot of it, it sounds like a lot of it here is not seeing it as a diet, seeing it as a long-term change, but also recognizing your natural tendency. So if you're someone who tends to overeat, if you're left to your own devices, that you need to kind of counterbalance that constantly by habit change and making sure that that's your default state. And if you're someone like I am someone and a lot of people hate me for this, but I'm someone who tends to under eat if I'm left to my own devices. Right. Yeah. I hate you. Sword. Like, (laughs) so, so yeah, people hate me for it, but like, it does mean that, um, when I've always been skinny all my life, I've just got the reverse problem. I've, I've I've always had a complex of wanting to wanting to gain some muscle and, and, and struggling with that because if things get busy or whatever, I'll just tend not to eat. And also then obviously chronically under eating when you are stressed from other parts of your life just leads you to be run down and ill. So Mm -hmm. there's, but I think in either case, it's about recognizing what is your tendency and what are the habits to put in place to defend against that so that your weight or your body composition moves in the direction that you're looking for it to go. Absolutely. And the, the, the whole personalized nature of, of dieting is not to do with kind of, you know, what works for your physiology. It's what works for your psychology. It's why the different, why different diets work for different people is because of, because of adherence and, and people's, people's capability to adhere to different things. I mean, it was interesting because when I first started to plateau with calorie counting, um, by the natural progression was to try all oh, right i'm so instead of just counting calories now i'm going to go paleo um and i did that and that was probably i would say although i still you know i carried on losing weight it was probably one of the most psychologically difficult and potentially damaging periods of 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 my dieting process because i really started to develop this um almost binge and restrict mentality i i I hesitate to use the term binging because you know there's real there's true binging and there's what you know what regular people kind of term as 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 binging um and but it was kind of this idea that 
you know, I'd, I'd cut out all of these foods during the week and then I'd have a cheat day on the weekend. And then, you know, and then I modified my cheat day so that it started at 7 p.m. the night before and ended at, at 7 p.m. the next day. Expanding so that it would be like window. a, so it'd be like a cheat 24 hours <laughs> so that then I could cram in as many, as many good meals into it as possible. And, 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 you know, it almost became, and it, this wasn't conscious. This wasn't me kind of thinking, right, I want to do that. It was kind of, I'd start off really, really well with it and then as my motivation would reduce i'd be like oh well actually i could do that and i could fit that in and this this is uh, the massive trap because you're an intelligent guy and so when the visceral urge to eat more comes in a, a, a mind that your mind starts to rationalize these more and more complex and you yeah. know um carefully justified reasons that you can then expand your 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 binge window to 24 hours and you know yeah and had exactly the same thing you know you 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 start you have the feeling first and then you justify it later, but your brain kind of post hoc rationalizes it as if that was the correct thing to do when actually yeah. all you were doing is finding a reason to justify your Yeah, to do behavior. what you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of what you want to avoid. And in a way, if you if you work in all of the things that you want to do enough, then you've got no you know, you've got no reason to, to, to binge or to go off to go off the deep end. I mean I've I've just been doing a um kind of an eight week plan um recently and and have got to the end of the eight week plan and have just carried on with the plan because it incorporated all of the foods that i enjoy (laughs) eating nothing was you know forbidden from it so actually there's no uh, coming to the end of it i sort of used it for accountability and to kind of get myself back on track because i'd had a period of being not so much um and then now that i'm back on track i kind of feel feel all right about it and you know if i want Whereas the sign of a bad diet would be one that you're like dying to get off at the end of the eight weeks. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's a real learning process. And, I, and part of me thinks that it's all very well to know this stuff and to tell other people. But, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder if people sort of need to experience that themselves and need to kind of go through those different stages to get out of the other side and to and to get to the point where um they can they can find the best sort of diet that works for them because not everybody wants to eat ice cream every day which is how i've managed it um people want to have other things and people you know people don't care about certain you know about sweet foods and stuff and so actually for them you know it is it is so different for everybody and i think that's the that's the thing that really needs to be recognized but it's not it's not about different in terms of paleo will work for someone because their bodies are wired differently. It's more just how they think about stuff. And if you can address that, then that's even better. Very much an Occam's razor approach rather than saying, Oh, it's about bio individuality and it's your blood group. And it's that it's just like, how do you think about it? What suits your mindset the most? Yeah. Um, so because it's so different, what do you tend to advise to your patients? If you have someone come up saying, look, I've had enough now. I want to lose some weight. Help me doctor. Um, I normally suggest, I mean, I, you know, again, we keep talking about a calorie deficit. If you, if you go in on, on fitness, social media, all you ever see is, is calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit, but it's easier said than done. And it's about figuring out how somebody can achieve a calorie deficit. So I'll talk to people about, you know, what other kinds of foods that they love, what are the kind of, what, what are the weaknesses they have? Um, how do they like to eat? Do they like to eat a lot of small meals or a lot of, or, or a few big meals? um how do they exercise you know what what comes naturally to them and almost sort of suggest that they do a bit of fact finding about their own ways of eating first of all like a you know food diary for a few weeks to start with um and see how you know see how 
see what their weaknesses are and what what they what they like to eat and then try and kind of figure out ways to to reduce those things so i think that one of the biggest mistakes that that people make is trying to go from from zero to perfect overnight and you know suddenly sort of saying you know everything should be quinoa based and um everything should have uh you know chia seeds in it and all that kind of stuff exactly and the thing is for me what i found worked was just getting a little bit better all the time um rather than trying to make huge changes and it's it's so boring like it's not sexy at all to say slow and sustainable changes and and trying to change these these little habits rather than changing everything but you know for me there's been a lot of talk recently about um quality calories and and you know saying actually a carrot is better for you than a coke zero even though it's got five more calories in it or whatever but you know the issue isn't that people aren't eating enough carrots the issue isn't that people um aren't getting their nutrients in the pe- the issue is that people are eating bad foods um actually that's a really terrible thing to say i want to withdraw that comment because <laughs> my whole my whole ethos is that 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 no foods are bad inherently but, but what but i mean I, is i see what you're saying in that if someone is eating if someone's used to burgers and cocoa pops and um and that kind of thing daily and you know pasties and stuff and then you get them to switch to small controlled amounts of kale quinoa and chia like you've not they've developed a taste for a completely different palate and then you're making them eat something which just is so foreign to them exactly and they're not going to have they're not going to adhere and whereas if you just you know if someone eats two pizzas a day and you just get them to eat one pizza a day instead you know they're still getting their pizza but they're going to make huge improvements just by doing that exactly so you know it's about it's about the background and where people have come from and i think when we're talking about the obesity crisis we've got to remember that we're talking about you know people from all different kind of socioeconomic backgrounds different family backgrounds different ethnic backgrounds and it's so important to remember that that you know again we need to focus on where people are coming from not where we want them to get to um and by improving it from from that end rather than just switching it to the to the other end that's really where we're going to make the progress i think this leads me on to a lot of um uh i've just realized something oh no we're fine i just wasn't i thought my microphone was coming out of the wrong place there um that sounded wrong uh this (laughs) 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 this leads me on to um a good question about so a very common error that i see pts do is assume that everybody is as interested and as passionate about fitness as they are and that the general population client cares about their amino acid profile in the in their um chicken and and about having the bcaa's 20 ground 20 minutes before training and all this stuff and so i feel like the the common criticism that pts have of gps is that oh they've got no clue and it's all just you know they don't know what they're doing and it's all general advice and i think it maybe misses this gap that the standard person that comes to a personal trainer is someone who is already at least a little bit motivated to make some change and cares a little bit at least about diet and training whereas your standard patient population is not always going to care and so standard personal trainer advice won't always translate over into what you would tell them in gp 
Of course. And I, I think, you know, yeah, yeah, we've got to remember that our roles are, are completely different and, and GPs are, are often kind of focusing on disease and all of those sorts of things. And people are at their GP often because they feel unwell, not because they're, you know, motivated to make a change. Um, so it, it is a, it, it warrants a completely different approach, to be honest. Um, but I guess the criticism of, of, of kind of GPs not having a clue um, is an interesting one. And you know, I, I kind of back it up to a certain point in that I didn't have a clue for sure until I went through the process myself. And when I went through the process, I didn't use information that I had learned from medical school or from medical textbooks or from my practice. I learned, you know, I used information that I was learning from, you know, social media and my own research. And I think that that bothered me a little bit because I don't I don't think we are trained well enough on nutrition. Um, and you'll get the argument from GPs that, well, you know, we're not there to be nutritionists. We're there to be to be doctors and we're there to look after people's health from a disease point of view, not necessarily always from like a you know a fitness point of view and a, and a self-improvement point of view. But I would argue that regardless of what we're there for, we're still there in a very, very trusted position. And, and whatever we tell people they tend to listen to more than a lot of other professions. So if we could just get the little bits that we're telling them right, rather than, you know, just telling them to, you know, if someone asks us how to lose weight, you know, we can at least point them to the right services, or we can at least have that framework of simple knowledge, um, rather than, you know, making things up and sort of just telling people things that we've done. Because when, you know, when I was doing paleo and when I cut out wheat, sugar and dairy and all of that kind of stuff at the time, I thought it was the bee's knees. And so when patients would ask me about it, I would, you know, I would, I'd stop short of advising them to do it, but I would tell them about what I had been doing because sometimes they would ask me because they'd, they'd see that I was losing weight. And at the time I believed that wheat was making me fat. And that was why, you know, that I'd found the secret. Um, and you know, again, it just comes back to, to the idea that you, you really can be very, very, very educated and not know very much. And that's not an insult. It's just, it's just the way it is when you're not educated on a, on a certain thing. I find um, that interesting because I, I've heard this criticism of people saying, oh, you know, doctors only get two hours of nutrition in five years and all this stuff. But maybe, maybe it's my med school. Maybe it's, um, it's been in response to that. And this is kind of the new curricula, but, um, we had a fair whack of nutrition and metabolism and endocrine and that kind Amazing. of thing. We Amazing. Had, I mean, we had three months of it, but, and I, and I, I, f I feel like the, the people who they had teaching it as well were very grounded in the larger context as well as mm -hmm. looking at the specifics and the underlying Fantastic. process. But I, I don't know whether maybe that's just a new thing, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm well, there's definitely out of med school. So yeah, there's, there's definitely been huge, huge changes recently. And there are a lot of really good people who are kind of trying to, trying to prove this is There's an organization called NutriTank who um, is a team of, of medical students who have been trying to get this stuff more heavily into the curriculum and they're doing great stuff. And you've got a lot of, a lot of doctors kind of going into lifestyle medicine. You've now got the British society of lifestyle medicine. Um, and you've got, you've got a big, you know, big numbers of people who are trying to make a difference to this. And we actually put on a, um, a nutrition conference a few months back at UCL um, through the BSLM um, in order to try and, you know, get some education out there. And it was really well received and people were really keen to attend as well. So I think massively the tide is turning, but I think nice. that's because, because we're starting to realize that there, that there is a need for that. Um, 
but it is it, it's kind of it's it is important to recognize that need and to try and to try and address it um and it sounds like you know i do think that that it is definitely on its way but certainly in in my generation um it wasn't it wasn't so great on the nutrition or it might have just been that my attendance wasn't that great but either way that's my story and i'm sticking to it fair enough yeah i i, I guess it's it's maybe good to see that that's perhaps evidence of the tide changing and um maybe both from population interest in this stuff i mean i'm sure if you would look at those sort of google analytics graphs of fitness related search terms going up over the over the last 10 years yeah and also just the saturation of the fitness industry as well that there is some movement changing and i'm glad to see that at least things have moved from fad diet to calorie deficit it's a step in the right direction it's not quite complete as you said because telling someone calorie deficit is like telling someone who's in debt to spend spend less and save more um or the other one we saw is a a drowning man telling them to drown less and swim more like (laughs) yes like we know that but how do we do that i like that that is actually quite a good analogy but it is I think that's the thing is that half the battle is is first getting people to realize that it is purely a calorie deficit um, and then educating people on how to effectively achieve that in line with their own psychologies. And I think that's that's the really difficult bit. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Johnny here. Just a really quick interruption to this episode to let you know about a resource we now have up and running on propinfitness.com. One of the most popular questions we get from readers and listeners is, hey guys, what would you recommend for my starting calories for fat loss and muscle gain? How much protein, carbs, fat? How many calories should I eat to begin my journey as a starting point? Normally, this is something that we do for clients when they come into our program, The Appropriate Protocol. But recently, we have opened up the calculator that we use for all of our clients so that you can get a free calculation, a free starting point of what we would recommend if you were to start as a client with us for your protein, carbs, fats, and calories overall for either fat loss or muscle gain, customized to you and your goal. If you want to get access to that, it is totally free. You just have to go to propinfitness.com forward slash calculator, enter your information, and we will send your macros and your calorie recommendations to that email address. And we'll also send you a few free resources over email just to pad that out and ensure that you have the best possible chances of reaching your goals in fat loss and muscle gain. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So Johnny couldn't be with us today because he was he was too scared that we'd be making loads of, uh, of medical in-jokes. But um, <laughs> he, he basically he, he had a few questions for you as well. So he said, cause, so Johnny, Johnny's currently going through a caffeine reset and his girlfriend mm-hmm. challenged him to not have any coffee for a month. Yeah. I know, crazy. Um, it is crazy. And I, I know that you are, well, it's crazy for him because um, he is a full-blown addict. And I know yeah. that you're a big coffee fan. Um, how do you feel about cycling caffeine? Do you think it's necessary? Do you think it's um, detrimental to, to sleep? Or is there anything that you do to um, mitigate some of the downsides of caffeine? So actually, I, I love coffee, but I don't actually drink that much coffee, funnily enough. Um, and part of the reason is because of um, I, I seem to have become more caffeine sensitive, either as I've got older or the, the more weight I've lost. But I can't handle my caffeine. If I have if I have more than more than a couple of coffees, I'm in trouble. Um, and I do notice I mean, it, again, it's, it's all anecdotal because these things are so multifactorial. So when it comes to stuff like sleep, um you know i track my sleep with the app and stuff sometimes but i don't really know how accurate it is mm-hmm. and 
I, I kind of think that, you know, do I feel tired? Have I had a rubbish sleep? Or, you know, do I just, am I just fed up and don't want to go to work today? You know, it, it, it's, all, it's all quite difficult to measure, I think. Um, and I think certainly I don't, I don't tend to, um, I tend to use coffee as more like a calorie-free way of enjoyment rather than a hit of caffeine i'm not i'm not good with it so i think i guess it depends on the person really um i'm going to sit on the fence with that one and just say i just i i really love coffee so i wouldn't want to be without it entirely but i think you know if you did if you if you did if you're drinking loads of it and getting loads of caffeine and developing a little bit of a tolerance to it then I think coming off it for a little bit can be beneficial. I see. I'm similar to you in that I'm very sensitive to caffeine. I think that's because I used to abuse it back in the finance days. Like I yeah. would just be taking caffeine pills all day and probably getting six to 800 milligrams of, co- of caffeine a day, oh, wow. which is, which for is in, normally a coffee would be say 80 milligrams. So it's yeah. equivalent of 10 coffees. And I went cold Turkey for two or three years and now reintroducing it. I notice if I have like a cup of green tea, like I'm such a little willy about it because like a cup of green tea would be like, like that's en- enough to even notice. So, um, but something I had noticed is when I start introducing coffee again, I'm suddenly falling asleep during the day when I previously didn't. So oh, really? it, I don't know whether it's because it's affecting the knock on, if the knock yeah. on, um, sleep that night and therefore yeah. reducing the quality and making me more tired during the day. But yeah. It's an interesting thing to, to notice. So, um, I always feel like any drug like this, taking caffeine, anxiolytics, alcohol, anything like that, is almost like you're borrowing something from the future in a lot of right. cases with the negative feedback. So yeah. coffee, you're borrowing wakefulness from, from the future and you have to pay it back at some point. Or, um, you know, alcohol, similar thing, like the, the sense of, of um, sort of the gabaergic, like calming effect. And then the shakes the next day, like you are borrowing that feel good from the next day and having to repay it in some form it's interesting um so the other question from johnny also something that you very much like is grenade bars so yes particularly birthday cake i didn't know they had a birthday cake one yeah it's new uh, is it <laughs> yeah uh, i've had birthday cake way and it was the worst thing i've had. i'd rather yeah. have drunk flour in water yeah it's disgusting sometimes the, the, that's that's the interesting thing about but the birthday cake flavor in general and i hate to digress on this but um <laughs> the birthday cake flavor is a concept obviously there's no such thing as a birthday cake flavor so birthday cake flavor is really what it means to the manufacturer what it means to me is like a vanilla sort of you know jammy kind of um hint of jam. sugary sprinkly Sugar. kind of kind of flavor um and that's what's so interesting about it is because it's done so badly by so many people um and it's interesting to see some things coming out recently that have been exceptional in the birthday cake world so you've got the birthday cake carb killer which is amazing really um, okay it's unbelievable um but you've also got the birthday cake there's um there's battle bites as well birthday cake flavor battle bites which have got a layer of strawberry in as well so that whereas the the carb killer is more vanilla based have you it's, had birthday cake way yes i have it's, okay. it's cool i've had well i've had some really horrible birthday cake way and then i've i've <laughs> recently been given some some more birthday cake way and i'm scared to try it because it, it ruined it ruined things i so, love how much of a connoisseur you are like the fact that you you tried the spectrum of these protein foods 
Well, I like to add a little bit of excitement to my dieting. And so trying something new, proteiny, low calorie, even if it ends up being absolutely disgusting, just makes me really excited. So, you know, you're ordering it online, you're waiting for the delivery and then it comes and then it's disgusting like the last one was. Um, it's still that process just just allows you to it's a bit like that. The process of making a black coffee, um, which is, you know, it takes up a little bit of your time, gets you excited about consuming something that isn't going to um, derail your diet. And then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, I love I love protein bars because introducing protein bars into my dieting process was the first step to sustainability. Um, so before I even got into kind of proper you know, more, you know, if it fits your macro style, flexible dieting, whatever you want to call it. Um, I know that the two are very different, but people seem, people define them similarly. Um, before getting into that, I started with protein bars and it was the idea that all like, you know, I'm having a chocolate bar. It's almost like an actual chocolate bar. It's a little window of decadence into your diet. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, I, I think people, People misconstrue my love of protein bars with a suggestion that protein bars are the best way of of, of achieving your nutritional requirements, um, and I certainly don't think that. But I think that you know if you're if you're trying to get a relatively high protein yet low calorie diet in, then protein bars are an exceptionally good way of um, filling that hunger gap in for a snack. Um, in a fairly low calorie and fairly high protein situation. So you're not wasting, you know, similar calories to a chocolate bar at the end of the day, but they're more satiating and you're not wasting a load of your calories on something that has no protein in it whatsoever. That's true. And I think, um, you know, speaking of delusional overconfidence, to make a bar that has of a flavor that has such a terrible track record and still mm -hmm. be like, you know what, I know this is such a good rendition of birthday cake that yeah. you guys have just got to try it is, is quite a, uh, it's big it's big and honestly i was nervous i was nervous when i tried the birthday cake carb killer because like grenade only had one chance to get this right like if mm. they mess it up that's it that's the end it's the nail um, in the coffin for birthday cake as a flavor for everyone exactly because All it's not like they can just go the world yeah and it's not like they can go oh we've changed our minds this is now our birthday cake flavor we've changed it they won't do that so it was kind of you know i remember when i got the first bar and i was i was driving home kind of getting ready to try it and i was i was nervous because i just thought there's no way that this can live up to my expectations no way at all because um there'd been a there'd been a recent there's a, a um protein pantry which is a, a, a lady up in liverpool who basically makes handmade protein bars which are out of this world um and I, I can sort of see in your eyes that you you don't believe me but they are like nothing else you've ever tasted and they do a birthday cake flavor and it's unbelievable and you know I, I, again i was kind Mike, of like well i've, re I've reached I'm, pinnacle sorry, birthday I'm, cake. I'm too traumatized from my birthday cake by protein i just i refuse to believe that Anything. I'm going to, well, I'm going to make it my mission. I'm going to, I'm going to turn your life around okay. through the power of birthday cake. I'm going to include a video of, um, when I first, so my protein sent me some birthday cake whey and I, I was like, oh, I'll do a little taste review. Um, and so I recorded a video of me drinking it and I'll put that in the show notes to this podcast. So if you're listening on iTunes or Thanks. YouTube, go to the show notes, you'll see Mike's transformation photo and me drinking birthday cake whey Two visual treats. Exceptional. Yeah. Um, are you concerned about the soy protein content of these bars? Um, 
not massively if i'm honest and that's because i I think like i don't actually consume them in huge quantities is number one um i think that again like everything the danger is in the dosage so whatever is in there that's not as healthy as it could be as long as you're not having loads of it then i think it's fine i think that there's i'm I'm not going to again quote research but i think there's been some more research recently about soy protein and i think that the original concerns about it have been um, not refuted but certainly see, don't seem don't, yeah they don't seem to be as thinking that it's as bad as they thought it was um but i probably need to refresh my memory of the actual evidence before i start quoting that so i'm about to speak to anthony J, who is a biochemist and his interest he wrote the book estrogeneration so he's mm. a he's very interested in environmental estrogens phytoestrogens so things in soy plastics mm-hmm. touching receipts all that kind of thing and the effect on our um, blood levels of, of hormones. And I don't know if you've seen, we Johnny and I have done a blood test recently to look at our yeah. hormone panel yeah. and see what the kind of effects are. Um, do you have any questions for him? I just thought I may as well play you, you know, if, if there's anything you have to ask him, we're going to speak to him next. about. Should about I stop estrogens. eating protein bars? Yeah, I suppose that's, that's, a, my question. that's a good question. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so um, we'll probably release these around the same time. I mean, I think like, like, interestingly for me, I always try really hard not to get my protein from more than one protein bar a day. And that's not so much about, um, thinking that it's dangerous or that it's, that it's particularly, um, you know, bad for you. It's more from the idea that, you know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of processed ingredients. It's a lot of stuff that, um, that does interesting things to your gut as well. So, you know, from that point of view and from from the point of view of trying to get protein from, you know, more varied sources and and also another, you know, another interesting thing to bring into it is that I I, I did all this dieting through a calorie deficit by any means. Um, and that was because the greatest threat to my life was being really obese. Um, so no matter what the threats to me of, of processed food was, it paled in comparison to, to you know, to, to where to where I was from a health point of view anyway. So I kind of thought that 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 doing it by any means is healthier than not doing it. But then the goal always is beyond that to try and improve health as well and to try and start considering sources of nutrition. And that has actually been a lot harder um, than than uh, than the actual dieting in itself. So a couple of examples come to mind of so John Romaniella did a, a video a while ago, a long time ago now, about uh, someone he was drinking a diet coke, and this guy was like, "Hey man, you shouldn't drink diet coke. Like all that all that uh, artificial sweeteners is bad for you, man." And then went to snort cocaine off a urinal in the toilets, and he's like, "You're telling me that I should be worried about the sweetener in my diet coke when you're like." And so, yeah, it's, I think it's done very much about priorities. And um, people ask me my opinion on processed foods or on aspartame and uh, soy protein, that kind of thing. And it, I think the answer always comes down to, like, things may be good or bad, period, but it's less likely that something is actually a poisonous agent. It's more that the devil is in the dose or the poison is in the dose. Exactly. So, and there's a clip from Stephen Fry, some kind of sketch where he's the GP and the patient's like, oh, well, next you'll be telling me cholesterol isn't actually bad for you. And he's like, well, too much cholesterol is, but too much of anything is. That's the definition of too much. Like too much 
the, the word means an excessive amount of something. So yeah. like, I think if you do abnormal amounts of anything, you're going to get abnormal results. Yeah. And so if you're going to hedge your bets, then do things in the standard recommended doses. If you want abnormal results, then do things in abnormal ways, but be aware that you will, like I lifted abnormally, um, in terms of, you know, competing at national level and I ended up herniating Mm -hmm. a disc. Like that is the, that's the risk that I took on when I decided to go from regular strength training to competitive powerlifting. Yeah. And you know, that's, uh, that's something that you have to take on board. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's important to just think that because, because I like protein bars, that doesn't mean I'm telling everyone that they should live on protein bars. I'm saying that if they have a protein bar, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. So my final question is, um, so we talked a bit about the, um, the fact that you went through a paleo diet yourself and then it became the, almost the thing that you'd recommend to people and, and so on. Um, what would you recommend for people to be able to spot charlatans in the industry or be able to to spot bogus health advice? Are there any kind of principles that someone can, or conceptual tools that someone can use to um, sort things into potential nonsense and um, maybe worth exploring? Yeah, it's a really difficult one because everybody is coming from it with a different background and a different level of knowledge already. Um, I think the the most important thing is is to kind of balance yourself between having an open mind to different ways of doing things because that will allow you to to myth bust you know the things that you you already think are true, um, and not having too open a mind that you just believe anybody. I think I think it's a dangerous thing to to just subscribe to people, you know, to think oh that person knows what they're talking about so I can trust what they say or that kind of diet is the best kind of diet. So that's what I'm going to focus on that, you know, that information is correct. And I will never allow that to be rebuked. And you get a lot of, you know, very big scientists who, um, who really won't, won't accept things that they already believe to be true, to be disproven. Um, (laughs) well, uh, I don't don't hear you. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that out there and you know this is the problems come when when we start worshipping people i think um because that's when we go oh so and so says this so it must be true well he might have read the evidence wrong you know you read the evidence and see see what it says um i think someone used a really good phrase um that i really like called murder your darlings and that if you believe something to true to be true to try and disprove it to yourself almost, you know, in a process to try and prove whether it is true or not, because, you know, we do have biases, we do have things that that we inherently believe. Um, and it, it can be really toxic. And it's, it's, you know, it's the same for all of us. I, I, I was telling a story the other day on Instagram about a friend of mine, um, who was really into Herbalife, and had, had posted something or, or invited me to a Herbalife party or something like that. So I got in touch with them privately and said, look, I, I don't know how kind of deep you are into this but you know i don't know if you want to have a chat about it because it's something that i've i've done a bit of research into etc um and and kind of we met up and had a chat about it and it was amazing to me because the way that 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 she described herbalife to me was the way that i describe me going to the gym to other people um she was describing it as having given her a, a social network um, having made her think more about her lifestyle and about her nutrition 
And she wasn't just having Herbalife shakes and then a salad for dinner. She wasn't using it as a weight loss tool. She was using it as a, um, as kind of a backbone of, of, of whole lifestyle change. So she was describing to me an example where, she, you know, she did home visits as part of her um, job. And previously she would just, you know, just be having Haribo in the car and in between her home visits. And she wouldn't really eat a meal all day. She'd just snack on, on, on um, sweets. Um, and yet now she was making the effort to prepare smoothies and, and, um, and, and meals and stuff to snack on during the day. Um, and she'd lost weight in the process and she felt better for it. And I was like, blimey, you know, how do I argue about this? And, and, you know, aside from the, from the business practices of Herbalife, which obviously I I won't comment on, um, I will, um, well, any, any kind of pyramid selling sort of, sort of scheme is, is, is of concern from that point of view, but she'd sort of done the same thing that I had done. She had improved her lifestyle you know, and instead of using, you know, magnums and different ice creams to, to, to use as, as kind of the backbone of that, she'd used, <laughs> she'd used Herbalife. Sounds great. Um, yeah. And just, I was kind of like, well, it, it's, it's, it's worked for her. And how, how can I belittle that? How can I tell her that what she's doing is wrong when she's made a positive change in her life? And although I might think that then, you know, there are other people who, who are in that situation who, who have misunderstood or, or understood perfectly, depending on how you want to define it, the actual the way you're supposed to use it, etc. Um, and who who have you know come to harm from it? So although I I would never endorse it as a thing, you know you've got to be open minded that people will do things in different ways. And for some people, starting off on you know on a on a one of those fatty diet plans can actually lead lead them to make meaningful lifestyle change it's a tough and it's, one it is a really would, tough would she have made that progress like was that switch that you mentioned triggered in her and she would have found some avenue to do it and so in that case herbalife is, is it adding anything or is it just rinsing her financially for the same well, weight loss that she would have made anyway or exactly. has it been the backbone that's the argument essentially and that's the that's kind of the discussion i was having with her was like saying well, well you do know that you don't need herbalife to do exactly what you're doing and she was like yeah but i've just found that it that it helped me do it and i was like oh blimey was she I a reseller no as well say again was she a reseller of herbalife too i think she was for a little bit but not i don't think she she i don't i don't know what ended up happening with that Mm-hmm. um because then i just decided that it's probably something that i just shouldn't keep bringing up because then i just look like i'm bashing her all the time <laughs> i see because I, I went to a herbalife seminar um i i met a pyramid seller and i was like okay you know what i'm gonna go to the seminar it was a full day thing and everyone was drinking the kool-aid there it yeah. was like people were so on it um and yeah there were a few stories of transformation and there were and then there were also a few that you could tell were very much salesmen they were just like they probably didn't get yeah. the product themselves they were very much just pushing it as a as a thing and by the end of the day the amount of nutrition bro science that was being spouted out, I was like, man, this is um, just a very cleverly put together um, sales script with um, the kind of um, attempted mock-up of of science with mm-hmm. little graphs and things to try and make it look legit. Um, yeah. But ultimately, yeah, you know... It, as a as a sales process and as a pyramid scheme it's extremely successful and we can't can't slate it for that but um i don't know ethically whether they are doing something good if it's i suppose like their argument would be 
the lifestyle change is worth much more than the the cost of the drinks. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still massively dubious about any anything like that anyway. But it's just that's just a story I kind of use to illustrate the idea that we we shouldn't just mock everything just because because again because because you can you can approach it from both sides in the sense that you know we should be open minded and we should be myth busting and we should be calling out rubbish. But at the same time, we shouldn't just blindly call everything out because they're, you know, again, you know, the other the other side of it is, is, is you know, we don't want to make people feel stupid for, for trying to make an improvement to their lifestyle through any means. Um, it's the quickest and way is, to turn people off. Um, exactly. And, you know, we were talking about anti-vaxxers before, before the podcast. And this, like, I think the evidence shows that showing evidence to anti-vaxxers makes them dig their heels in further. Because yeah. it's almost like you're stupid, you shouldn't be believing this, and people are like, all right, well, and then and then the emotional reaction comes out. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing is that that people have become almost religious in their in their views of 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 diets, of fitness, of you know health processes and things like that, and of course of vaccinations as well. And when a when a view becomes you know faith based rather than logic based when you've just decided to believe something not you know not be open minded if you if you follow science then you you can't really go wrong but if you if you if you won't follow science then you will end up believing things that that aren't true and you said interestingly even there are scientists that don't really follow science they they are intelligent people that post hoc rationalize their beliefs um, yeah, by looking because at people evidence. don't want to admit that they're wrong, and I think there's there's huge power in admitting that your capability to be wrong. Because actually, once you once you admit that that you know you are able to get it wrong, then actually I think your words have more power and your beliefs have more power because people know that you're believing things because it's where where the science is taking you. And you're if the science your then changes, to learn, aren't you? Your exactly to change your view and li- optimize your view in light of new yeah. evidence and yeah. Yeah, but people don't like to don't like to admit that. I don't think I'm really very like, good at admitting when I'm wrong. Well, I think other I think people it, might disagree. As you said, it's an, yeah, it's an important thing, and um, if anything, it maybe improves your credibility as a doctor because you're like, you know what, you used to believe this. New evidence has come out. This is the new, based yeah. on what we have now, the thing that we have to do. I really like murder your darlings. Yeah, I think that's, um, Charlie Munger talked said something similar, which was you are not qualified to enter an argument with somebody unless you can restate the opponent's view in more articulate terms than they can. Um, and for them to agree with that and yeah. for them to be like, yep, yeah, that is an accurate representation of my, not, not in a mocking way, not in a yeah. kind of, um, uh, straw manning, extreming, extreme way, but to be like, this is your argument. And then you'd be able to deconstruct it or to, to build on it from that position. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a great concept. Very cool. Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Um, thank you very much. So how can people find more about you? Um, if they want to, I suppose it's uh, my, um, my social media handle is Dr. Mike the second, and it's the same on across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I don't think there are any others anymore. We will put the link. I have a hiccup there. We'll we'll put the link in the show notes um, on the website for that. So propanefitness.com forward slash Dr. Mike. Um, Mike, it's been lovely. Do you have any closing thoughts for anybody? Um, no, just thanks for having me and uh, and keep doing the good work that you're doing in terms of spreading the word of uh, science, I guess. 
an anti-birthday cake until until proven otherwise i'm open to i will prove you otherwise fine see again that's another example of it you know this process is is a good one to document because you all admit your capabilities to learn well see i yeah and earlier on i had an emotional reaction to birthday cake i was like (laughs) you know what i'm not willing to try any more birthday cakes it's gonna be awful but i need to murder my darlings exactly exactly fine (laughs) mike thank you speak soon thank you Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Propin Fitness Podcast. We have a short request and a potential prize for you. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps the podcast reach more people and allows us to devote more resources and time to making this podcast better every single week. In return, we are going to be selecting one of the reviews, announcing it live on the podcast every single week, and sending you two of our programs completely free of charge, both Faster Fat Loss and the V-Taper program. One is obviously a fat loss program, eight weeks long. One is the V-Taper program, which is muscle gain focused on the upper body, designed to basically get you a massive bench press, huge chest, and a massive chin-up. Who doesn't want those things? So we're going to be sending both of those to the best review. And all you have to do in order to enter this prize draw to win those two programs is to head over to iTunes or head over to propinfitness.com to get the link for the podcast and then visit iTunes that way and leave us a short review with your honest feedback, your honest comments. Let us know what you think of the podcast, what we can do better, what you like, what you don't like, and you'll be automatically entered into the prize draw to win one of these programs. We'll see you on the next episode and we hope to be shouting your name out very soon. (laughs) 